How's everybody today? I just want to tell you that right off, uh, we've had some losses at the church. This is not sad. This is happy. The losses that we've had is like pounds coming off all you people. I've had so many reports. Um, I don't know how many. I guess we should get a thermometer of showing how many pounds we've dropped since the first of the year, but I'm so proud of everybody. Everybody's kind of jumping on board and trying to be a little healthier in this uh, new year, and that's been the push the whole year. It's not all about weight loss. We're not just talking about weight loss, but that is one element that we all seem to be concerned about is keeping ourselves healthy, especially as we get older, just to feel good, just to be able to cut our own toenails without huffing and puffing. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just important. But Wendy and I are doing something. I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but we are really going to do it, and it's this coming Saturday that we'll be a meeting at our house uh, February 1st, and it's for a Weight Watchers Supper Club, and it's a sign-up out front. If you are on Weight Watchers, or it, it's not just for couples, it could be for singles too, but if, if it's couple, one of you needs to be on Weight Watchers at least, and so we're going to invite everybody that's doing that, because there's a number of you, and we want you to come to our house, and we're going to have a group, and then we're going to have a supper club, and we're going to meet together, and we're going to do Weight Watcher recipes, and just be fun, encourage one another, and I just wanted to tell you about that, but the sign-up's out front. And you're welcome to sign up if you're on Weight Watchers or if you're joining Weight Watchers, because uh, we, we will be more successful doing it together. Yeah. Right? Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, as we do these kind of things, it's, it's great to see people that have uh, succeeded. Like Wendy came up a few weeks ago, and she told her testimony. It was very inspiring. You know, I, I love her, and I know her, and, and it, you know, it was, it, what she's done is really... Uh, it's the Lord. It's, it's, it's just been pretty spectacular. But, you know, to have someone that we can look at and we can say, wow, that's what I want to do, that's so important. Uh, that's why one of the elements of church that's so important is that we have our testimonies and people hear about our successes. But, you know, one of the most um, powerful testimonies about someone that's lived a, ha a healthy, happy, long life serving the Lord is in the Word of God. It's, it's right here, and it's right before our eyes. And it's about Moses. It says in the Word, in, in Deuteronomy 34, it says that Moses lived 120 years. And when he died, his eyes were not dim, nor was his natural vigor diminished. 120 years old. Isn't that crazy? You say, yeah, but that's a Bible character. Well, he didn't, God doesn't do anything with magic dust, okay? He didn't say, okay, Moses... You stand over here and I'm going to drop these, you know, long life crystals on you. It doesn't happen that way. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says that man has been given 120 years. That was even after the flood, after the fall of man, 120 years. Moses lived 120 years. His eyes were not dim. His vigor was not diminished. He lived every day of his life in health and wholeness. How did he do that? Well, there's a lot of things that I see in Scripture. One thing, he had a purpose. You know, whenever you live in your divine purpose and you have something that's calling you, something that's, that you're here for, <laughs> you're going to live until you fulfill your destiny. It's just a fact. In fact, I'll just make a great big statement, and that is if you get in your purpose and your call, you are going to be absolutely uh, invincible until you have uh, accomplished what God has put you on this earth to do. He'll make sure of it. And that's what Moses did. He, had a con he never did give in to this, well, I'm too old, I'm too weak. He didn't do any of that. 
But I think there's something that even goes beyond that. And, and, and another deal, it's a sidebar, but, you know, he was the one that wrote down all the dietary laws from God. The first, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, and he wrote down all those dietary laws. He ate well. That's another little thing. Moses didn't eat like the people that were around him. He knew how to cook his food. He knew what to eat and not to eat, and he ate well. So there's all these factors, but I think the biggest factor and the most important factor and one that we can learn from is this one, that Moses wrote this in Deuteronomy 32. In Deuteronomy 32, he said, these instructions that God gives to us, they're not mere words. It, we've treated them that way. They're not mere words. He said, they are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land. That's a promise from God about us. You say, yeah, but that was Moses. You know that Jesus said something crazy when he was on the earth. It was like unbelievable. He said that the least in the kingdom of God, the least of the New Testament born-again Christians, is greater than all the Old Testament prophets. He said that. So if you take that and you take it for what he said, what he's saying is the least person that's born again on this side of the cross is, is greater than anyone that was prior to the cross. Don't tell me that Moses lived to 120 years in vim and vigor because he was some uh, just special case. This is something that we can all look at and aspire to. You say, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to live that long. Well, if, if you're, I've asked a lot of people about living long, and I, and I talk to a number of people that are older, and they all pretty much say the same thing. I would live as long as I, you know, I would live to 120 if I could live it to the full. I mean, if you could live it like your eyes are not diminished, you're full of vim and vigor, wouldn't you want to live to 120 years? Wouldn't you want to live if your mind was still sharp and you were still... Do you realize that when Moses was going to die in Deuteronomy 32, God said, Moses, I'm going to take you home. I want you to go climb Mount Nebo, get to the top, and then you're going to die on that mountain that you ascend. 120 years old. Go climb a mountain. When you get to the top of Pikes Peak, I'm going to take you home. He climbs a mountain. He's, he's able to climb a mountain at 120 years old. You know, contrary to popular belief, you don't have to be sick to die. We, we, we get in our mind, we have this acceptance that somehow when we get older, oh, well, I'm going to get older, so you're going to get some debilitating chronic disease that's going to take you out. Let's just change that. Let's line our thinking up, like we said last week, we're not going to conform our mind to what the world thinks. We're going to conform our mind and get in line with what God says. And God says we have 120 years and we can live out all those days in health. Could you dare to believe it? You say, well, I would live that long if I wasn't a burden. And that's the point. If our motive is love, if we don't want to be a burden to our families, if we want to live out our days and be healthy and have long life, there's no magic supplement out there. There's no combination of vitamins. There's really no diet. There's nothing that's going to make you live 120 years. But I can guarantee you, he said, these words are more than mere words. These words are life. He wrote this. He lived 120 years, and he did it. He's an example. It's powerful if we dare to believe that they're not just words on a page. I don't know if you know this, but in America, there's over 80,000 people that are over 100 years old now. And if you go worldwide, there's over half a million people in the world now that are over 100 years old. One guy's 114 in Japan, oldest living guy. People are living longer 
all of us are living longer. The question becomes, what quality of life, what kind of life do we want to live? I love how Moses was. He didn't even start his purpose till he was 80. <laughs> 80. He, made, he tried to be Pharaoh's son for 40 years. That didn't work. He tried to be a sheep herder for 40 years. That didn't work. And finally, he came into his destiny at, at, at 80 years old and then lived out his days full of purpose. I think we buy into this lie that as we get older, our purpose diminishes. Or, you know, whenever our children are grown, our purpose diminishes. Or our grandchildren don't need us as much anymore. That, that is such a lie. You live for the kingdom of God. You're here for a purpose, to bring heaven to earth in your life. And it's the truth. We need to begin to believe it. So today we're going to talk about another thing that's very important, and it's our emotional health. Emotional health. A lot of people don't think about emotions when they think about health. It's that, it's that part of you that's inside of you that you can feel. What part could emotions play in our health? Do you know what the, the, the state, the, of the 50 states, do you know what state has the longest life expectancy? Hawaii. Hawaii, that's correct. And a lot of people think it could be a lot of reasons like diet or something, but I think most experts agree that it's lifestyle. Most people in Hawaii do not have the stress that we have in the mainland states. Washington, D.C., New York City, even Dallas, even Amarillo, Texas, the stress level is so high and it takes people out sooner than they should be taken out because of their emotional state of just being in constant stress. God doesn't want us to be in stress. He wants us to live emotionally sound. And we're going to talk about that today. It's a very important factor in our overall health. You know, like I've said so many times in this series, that we are made of three parts. We talked about our body, and we've talked about our mind. And now we're, today we're going to talk about our soul, our emotions, and our will. All three of those make up our one spiritual person. We've been in Romans chapter 12, and Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says to let our bodies be a living sacrifice, to commit our bodies to God. We know to do that. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says that we're not to conform our thinking to the pattern of the world. We know that. And so we're trying to pattern our thinking after God's word. And then today we're going to talk about Romans chapter 12 verse 3, and it's going to talk about our emotions. It's going to talk about negative emotions and how they can stunt your spiritual growth. You may not know this. Emotions can be very good, and emotions can be very negative, very bad. Listen to this verse out of 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. It says, Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. Guilt is an emotion. It's a negative emotion that a lot of Christians carry because they think it's sort of a part of their humility. Guilt is a negative emotion that's carried over a long period of time will rob you of your confidence and actually rob you of your destiny because you'll have no confidence to come to God and you certainly will have no confidence to represent Him on the earth. If we don't deal with negative emotions, it can stunt our spiritual growth. It can rob us of our very destiny. Confidence is such an important, important thing. So, we're going to talk about what emotions are. Our soul is our emotions and our will. Now, I have separated the mind from the soul. A lot of people don't. A lot of people say the soul 
is your emotions, your will, and your mind. I don't believe that. Because emotions, by definition, is a state of mind derived from one's circumstance, surroundings, or people. You see, a state of mind is very different than the intellectual mind. A state of mind is an emotion that's evoked. It's derived from a situation. There might be a certain person that brings up certain emotions in you. There might be a certain circumstance that you step in and you will have a certain emotion. These are not thought-provoked. They're emotion-driven. Very different. Your emotions just happen. Last week I said, you know, we have the ability to capture our thoughts and to take them captive. Emotions are a little more elusive. Emotions don't get processed by the brain. Emotions are automatic. They are truly automatic. So a person's state of mind also could be uh, said it's their attitude, their mood. You hear people say, you're moody, or don't be so emotional. And usually what they mean is that you're kind of flip-flopping between being okay and being moody and, you know. But emotions are, are automatic. So are we a victim to our emotions? I say no, we're not. But emotions can be so powerful in a good way. You don't, you don't realize that every time Jesus had compassion, it was an emotion. People say, don't be emotional. Well, that's a dumb thing to say. God made us emotional. God's emotional. Jesus wept when Lazarus was dead, and Jesus knew he was raising him from the dead because Jesus was emotional. That was not a sign of weakness. It was not a sign of lack of faith. It was Jesus' emotional. We're emotional. It's automatic. Jesus didn't go, oh, now's a good time to weep. Wasn't a logical thought. He wept because his sisters were crying and he loved them. Even though he knew there was a miracle coming, our compassion, our generosity, our spontaneous generosity, affection can be emotional. It's, you just want to show affection. You know, kindness and hugs, all emotion-driven. You hear someone in there having a hard time, you just... You're emotionally, you want to hug them. You don't think in your mind, oh, now would be a good time to hug because then that could bring comfort. And you don't do any of that. You just feel. God's made us this way. And it's good. It's what caused the woman to come with the alabaster jar of perfume and wash Jesus' feet and cry into her tears. She was washing, with her, drying it with her hair. That was emotion-driven. She didn't have a logical thought to come do that. And Jesus said, it was great. Yeah, the Pharisee, he was driven by logic. He was driven by intellect. He was trying to figure it all out. She didn't do any of that. She came in the room and she felt. And she didn't care what anybody thought. And Jesus said it was love. Emotions are so good. But they can be so negative. They can, when, you're, when your emotions are negative and they're unchecked, you can have deep, deep sadness, darkness come into your being. Nobody sees it. Your body can be fine. You can be saying all the right things. Your mind can be operating well. But if they're carrying a deep sadness, a deep anger, you know, a deep jealousy, envy, self-pity, guilt, those are all emotions. They need to be identified. They need to be dealt with. According to psychology today, unchecked negative emotions breed disease, especially cardiovascular disease. This is a direct connection. 
If you carry negative emotions long periods of time in your life, cardiovascular disease, the, the, it raises the level of inflammatory causing chemicals in your body that can cause heart disease. It can cause plaque to even plate out inside of your arteries and cause you to have hardening in your arteries. Out of control, negative emotions are what lead to alcohol abuse because people want to dull their emotions. They don't want to feel this way anymore. So they begin to try to mask that, or you've heard the term self-medicate. They try to do it that way. They'll do it with drugs. They'll do it with alcohol. So many people today, Christians included, they carry such a sense of guilt, they just want to escape it sometimes. It's one of the main things they say causes sexual addiction or pornography addiction, is it? Because that is a strong enough thing that it can blank your mind and not let you think about your problems anymore. It's, it's a problem in our generation. It's all driven by negative emotions. It can make people violent when they aren't normally violent. And it also causes people to be shop shopaholics, people that, that impulsively buy out of control because they think it makes them feel better. They have something inside of them that is lacking, something inside that makes them feel less than, and they have to do something, and so they, they purchase things they can't afford. They get in debt. Emotional immaturity is one of the main signs is people are not good with their finances. They're not long-term thinkers because they're short-term impulse people because their emotions are driving their decisions. Their emotions are driving their decisions. Therefore, they live in debt. They live in poverty because they can never, ever control what they feel. Therefore, they can't control what they do. Proverbs 25 says this. This is like a city breached without walls is a person that lacks self-control. You see, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. This, this statement here is kind of foreign to us because like a city breached without walls, that's kind of foreign to us because we don't think like that much anymore. But it's a military term. It's about a city. And they used to build these walls around the city and that would keep the invaders out. And what he's saying is when you operate in emotional immaturity and you operate without self-control in your life, that you're like a city. That's, the walls have been breached. The enemy comes right into your life and he, and he can do all kinds of damage because you've opened the wall of your protection up. You've, it's like you've thrown up the garage door to the enemy and said, come on in. And if you've done much deliverance, you know the number one and number two reasons that people are either demonized, demon-possessed, demon-oppressed, whatever you want to call it. Number, the one and two reasons are unforgiveness and bitterness in their soul, emotion, and self-pity, emotion. They carry it. And they're like a city with the, with the wall torn down. The enemy can just come right in, and he just comes right into us. It's like we're inviting him in. And he ain't there to do good things. He's there to mess you up. He's there to kill you and to destroy your life. And he will, he will try to do a good job with that. But he says there's something else for us. Christians should have a different attitude. Christians should carry a different set of emotions. And he says it's called the fruit of the Spirit. I wish this was called the attitude of the Spirit. I think we would catch it better because that's really what God's saying. He's saying that as Christians, the innermost part of us should be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. Now listen to this. Nothing stands against such things. There's nothing going to go through your wall if that's the attitude of our heart. Nothing's going to breach your, your outside wall. Nothing's going to get in. And you can't make these things happen because emotions are automatic. He's saying, no, they're automatic when you're in the Spirit and, you're, and you've given your body to God and you've, 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 you've captured your thoughts and brought them captive to the obedience of Christ. And then your emotions, you become aware of them and you submit them to the Lord. And he says, this is the fruit that comes out. This is what happens inside of you. This is what God wants to happen. But on every one of these fruits, there's a flip side. You know? For love, there's hate. For joy, there's sadness. Peace, there's stress. Patience, there's impulsiveness. Kindness, there's meanness. Goodness, there's you can be bad. Faithfulness is people that have a problem with commitment. Emotionally immature. They can't commit to anything. They won't. It's a sign of emotional insecurity. It's a sign that you don't Trust yourself to stay committed long enough to do anything. It's, it's emotional immaturity, and it will lead you down a path that's destructive. For humility, there's pride. And for self-control, there's unbridled behavior. He says we're to have the emotions of the spirit. Emotional immaturity um, defined in, in the dictionary is... It's a state of emotional strength and self-control which leads to a realistic and balanced behavior. That's great, but it's a lot of words. My, I have a, my own def, definition. You may have heard me say it before, but emotional maturity to me is making good decisions. Decisions that are long-term in thinking. That's, to me, that's when you know you're emotionally mature is when you can make a decision today that's going to put you in a better position in 20 years. I don't know if you know this, but a 20-year-old decides how a 50-year-old will be living. And a 40-year-old will decide how an 80-year-old is retiring. You see, it's these decisions we make should have long-term decisions. But if we're emotionally immature, we're just thinking about right now. Whatever brings me gratification right now. I don't think about consequences because there's a reason that it's going to happen. And I mean, the reason that people think like that, and we're about to get into it. But maturity uh, is defined best to me by Albert Einstein, one of the smartest men that ever lived. And he said, maturity appears when we start to worry more about others than we do about ourselves. That's a powerful statement. See, emotional immaturity, it comes from a spot, and he goes into Romans 12, 3, it comes from a spot where it's all about me. You, you want to you cite, you know, look at yourself and say, am I mature emotionally? Well, let me ask that question. Is, does the world seem to revolve around you and how you feel? Because the Lord said, you know, not only do you give your body a living sacrifice, not only do you line your thoughts up to the thoughts with God, he says there's, a, there's another deal here in, in verse 3. He says there's a warning I'm going to give you about growing spiritually, and it's this one. Don't think that you're better than you really are. Be honest in the evaluation of yourself. And then listen to this. Measuring yourself by the faith God has given to you. He's saying that one of the things that trips us up as Christians is that we get in this, this weird space where 
We're so self-consumed with who we are and what we're doing and not doing that we, we become totally irrelevant to the world around us. We become self-absorbed. It's these people that are, that are always looking you know, inward for sin and for brokenness and different things. And he's saying, don't, don't, don't think you're better than you really are. Why would he say that? Because people in, in, in this life, in this world, one of the ways we conform to the thinking of the world is we're always measuring ourselves against someone else. And he said, so it makes you think you're better than someone else. And he said, it's a trap. He said, there's only one way to measure yourself, and that's against the measure of faith that God has put inside of you. For what? To live the life God created you to live. If God created you to be here, that's your measure. He's saying to measure. God created you to be here, and most people are here, and you're constantly measuring yourself against others. When you get here, you're going to quit. Because you feel like you're better than most people and you're doing, better than mo you're doing more, you're doing better. And God says, don't measure yourself like that. Don't think you're better than you are. Measure yourself against the faith that God's dropped in your heart before you were born for the destiny and the life that he's created you to live. That's the first step towards emotional maturity. It's to step away from this pride, this vanity, this self-focus and begin to make, have a God-focus about your own life and your own call from God. It's a warning against a state of mind, an attitude that, that causes us to believe something that's not true about ourselves. We spend our life striving to be someone or something that we're not, and we're, we're in stress because of that. You know, we're always like, oh, i got to do this, and oh, what do they think, and what would, what would they think if they really knew this? And then you're trying to pretend in front of your kids, in front of your spouse, or in front of your friends, or in front of church. You're always trying to perform into something that, he says, stop doing that. Just be who you are, because it's a connection between you and God. He said, it's, it, it really is born out of pride, and if you dwell, if you dig deeper than pride, you realize that the pride that God's talking about here is birthed out of insecurity. The emotion that comes up in us that we're not good enough, therefore we act like we're better than we are, and we try to make ourselves feel good about ourselves, and the truth is it's an insecurity that's a deep emotion inside that's negative that can really rob us of our very joy in our own life. It's self-promotion. It's putting yourself in front and ahead of other people because you think you're smarter, better, more anointed, whatever. Sometimes you put yourself above other people because you feel like you're a victim and you deserve special treatment. Sometimes you put your needs above everybody else's because you feel like you're special. And God says, stop it. We're to grow in our soul. We're to grow in our emotions. It helps our health. It helps us to grow on and be on, go on with God. He says, in fact, it takes intentional effort to grow emotionally. He said, you've got to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You've got to have the same emotions that Jesus had. That's something that we have to consciously intend to do. And then he goes on and says, don't allow, allow self-promotion to hide in your heart. But in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. 
It's a step towards emotional maturity. It's a step towards growing in God. It's a step towards healthy relationships, healthy being, body, soul, and spirit. Not to promote ourselves, but to allow God to promote us. You do realize that self-promotion is the surest way for you to be pushed down. Because God said, I oppose the proud, but I, but I exalt the humble. If we really want to get ahead with God and his kingdom, if we really want to reach our destiny, we have to do it through humility and through service. It's called service leadership. We don't get there through promoting ourselves, through telling everybody how smart we are, by telling everybody how much better we are. We don't get there that way. We don't, we don't get there by trying to tell people how special we are, anointed we are. We don't get there that way. You get there through humility. And God exalts that. It's called, it's called growing emotionally. Because emotional immaturity it will destroy your relationships. That's why a lot of people have to go from relationship to relationship. They never learn what it takes to stay in a relationship because they can't ever learn to serve the other. They have to be served. It destroys relationships. It destroys health. It actually keeps us from our destiny. So how do we battle emotional immaturity? By being intentional. And it's pretty simple. It really is real simple. We can control our emotions whenever we learn to serve other people. Genuinely serve other people. When we learn to serve other people, it breaks the power of that world revolving around me attitude that's inside of our head. We find out there's a real joy in giving our life away for the benefit of someone else because that's the attitude that Jesus had. He, he died on the cross to serve humanity and he calls us to do the same thing. Second, we have to learn to trust God 100%. I don't know if you know this, but you are either going to worry your way through life or you're either going to go through your life with faith. And if you worry your way through life, you're going to be in a, a negative emotional state that's going to not be good for you. You've got to get to a place where you have 100% confidence and faith in God in every area of your life. And then... Lastly, you've got to learn to pray in the Spirit. A lot of people don't know the power of this. I, I, uh, I don't want to be misunderstood about this. This is not like some super spiritual uh, plateau that you reach as a Christian. This is a very normal thing God gives to us for the sake of growing up uh, emotionally and spiritually. As you all know, Catherine, uh, my daughter-in-law and Trey, uh, my son, they had a baby on Christmas Day. And they're going to be in church, I think, in the next service. So I'm excited about that. But first Sunday back. Um, but, you know, whenever that was going on, um, she went into labor on Christmas Eve. And she was going to have that baby at home. And Wendy and I were already a little nervous about that. But, you know, it's our, that's that generation and that's our generation. But um, she, was, she went into labor. Uh, Christmas Eve, very early in the morning, 20 hours of, of hard labor at home, and it came to, they came to the conclusion, it's time to go to the hospital. Wendy and I were very relieved that she went to the hospital Christmas Eve, 
Wendy and I were praying, you know, just, okay, we're going to have a baby. They're at the hospital. It's going to, everything's going to be fine. Well, she didn't have a baby all that night, all that next day. We were up at the hospital all Christmas day. And I mean, I just want to admit that my emotions were automatic. It was one of those deals where my circumstances were causing me to get emotional. I was getting angry. I was getting irritated. I, I mean, I just, I, you know, I'm from a whole different generation, so I didn't get it. I just thought, okay, this is 39 hours of hard labor. You've got to do something else. Well, you know what I did is I just went home. I thought, I can't, I'm, I'm doing no good up here. I'm a negative influence. I'm, I, negative emotions are going on, you know, it's, that leaven's working its way through the loaf. So I went home. I went home by myself, and I was upset, and uh, I, I came home, and I began to pray. And I remember what I said. I said, God, I don't even know what to pray. I want to pray in accordance to your will. So I just started praying in the Spirit. And I prayed in the Spirit, and I prayed in the Spirit. For an hour, I prayed in the Spirit. And I was, I was just crying out to God in my, from my groaning in my heart. And suddenly, <laughs> it's like something from out here came into something in here, and I suddenly had faith. It changed. That negative emotion was driven away. And I suddenly, I go... I thought to myself, I, I'm supposed to go to the hospital right now. And it's going to be fine. Everything's good. And I drove to the hospital, and I thought, all, on the way, I thought Wendy would call me and say, you know, we have a baby, but she didn't. And I walked in the door of the hospital, and I thought, oh, they will already have the baby here. And the baby wasn't here. And I walked in there, and my first response was to, to let those emotions come back inside me. I said, no, I'm in faith. This is going to happen. And I wasn't there five minutes until we thought we heard the baby crying, and I think we did because we were right next to where the room was, and he was here. I'm telling you that learning to pray in the Spirit can break negative emotions more than just about anything can. And sometimes you have to learn to pray in the Spirit so you can get out of that self-pity, you can get out of that guilt, you can get out of that anger, you can get out of whatever it is that is smoldering in you, and you don't even know the source. You just wake up in it someday, Get on your knees and pray in the Spirit until it lifts. Because that's what God says. Praying in the Spirit builds you up. It builds you up. And that's how we get through some of these times. We grow. And the last thing I tell you to become emotionally mature is to be a good friend. Value your friendships. Don't discount the ones you have. Always be looking for the ones that you think are better. Love the people in front of you. It's taken me a long, long time to learn that lesson. People are so important for our life. Our relationships, they're so important. And I just encourage you to, to just value them. Pray for one another. Love one another. Be real with one another. Have some good friends. Don't be alone. If you want to grow, be a good friend. Because there's good news that we can have direct, positive impact on our health and our well-being, on our life in general. Just by practicing these things and by being intentional, we can change the negative, negativity that's inside of so many of us and turn it into something God wants to be there, fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to close with this.
circumstances, surroundings, people that evoke our emotions. Learning to control your emotions sometimes is as simple as learning to control your environment, learning to control the people around you. Many times you can't control your circumstance. You just have to learn to get through it through the, with the Lord's strength. But there are a lot of things we can avoid that will help us to control our emotions. You have to recognize what's triggering feelings. Where's the root? Had somebody say one time, it was one of Lindell's um, prep people years ago that had gotten out and just thought, well, I'm just going to drive down the boulevard because I used, that used to be my stomping grounds. And that, that, that surroundings, that going down that road was enough of a pull, enough of a drive, and it, it played on his emotions, pulled him right back into a lifestyle that he didn't even want to be in. Avoiding a surrounding. There's things you know. You shouldn't be there. And you're putting yourself there. You're playing purposely naive. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, you knew. And so sometimes we have to understand what pulls those emotions up in us and avoid it. I don't care if it's music on your radio. Sometimes you turn on that song and you turn it up and suddenly you, you're transported back to your 18-year-old self and you think you're bad to the bone and it's an emotion. <laughs> it's an emotion that can lead you astray. <laughs> you got to know about your, you got to know what triggers this stuff. There's certain people you can't be around. They're toxic to you. You can't be there. You, you know, sometimes people just want to stay in a relationship because they think they can turn it. I'm telling you, there's some people you just got to walk away. You can love them from way over a distance because you know that those people evoke a an emotion inside of you that's unhealthy. As so many people get into affairs, affairs don't happen in 10 minutes. They usually happen over years. And people know what's happening. Yet they walk to the edge of the cliff day after day after day. And those emotions arise because they kind of like to play with it. And the truth is it can knock you off the cliff. And I'm saying to you, recognize your emotions. Deal with it. Grow up emotionally. Because it will help you to have a better life. And like I said before, circumstances you can't always control. And there's always going to be stress out there. But I'll tell you this. You certainly control how you, do, how you go through it. If you pray your way through it, you're going, to, you're going to make it a lot better. God gives us a lot of tools to be able to do better in our life. And, and, and one simple way to get on top of your emotions, sleep. You need to sleep. Some people think, oh, I only need five hours a night. No, that's not true. You need to sleep. It helps your mind to regenerate. It helps you to be stronger as a person. It's so important for your health that you take the time to sleep. Don't be so emotionally mature, immature that you're on your computer till 2 o'clock in the morning every day having to go to work the next day. I'm saying there's things you have to stop being impulsive about and you have to be intentional about what makes you healthy and to grow. I really want you to have a blessed life. I want to have a blessed life. And I'm just telling you these things because they're so important. And as we grow together in the spirit, we're going to learn to stay away from these negative things, these negative triggers in our life that are causing us to live in emotional immaturity. So let's stand together. And if you're ministering, come on up.
pray over us all today. And I just pray, God, that we first, God, we want to say thank you for our emotions. I thank you, God, for the way that gratitude feels inside me. I thank you, God, that it just comes up automatically. I thank you, God, for the emotions that are evoked whenever you see something beautiful in the world. For the, the emotions that come up when we see a need in the world. I thank you, God, for these emotions. And we pray, God, for good emotions. We pray for positive emotions, Lord, that compel us to do things that, that are good. Good for our fellow man and good for your kingdom. I pray, Father, that you would deal with any negative emotions today in this room. People in, deep inside, the insecurities of their heart or the, the self-pity or the bitterness. God, let them identify it and then let them bring it to the, to the altar, God, and just let it be consumed by the fire of your love. I pray, Father, that every negative emotion that we carry today, that you would give us insight on how to deal with it and get it out of our life. We pray against pride in our own heart. And we pray, Lord, that we could walk in true humility with one another and, and to esteem people as better than us, that we put their needs in front of our own. We just say we love you, God. We thank you for the way that you've created us. And we just want to line up, Lord, with your word. And we want to believe for a long, healthy, happy life. We want to believe for a long, healthy, happy life. Because that's what you want us to have, an abundant life. Both in years and in every way, Lord. We thank you for that. And we pray in Jesus' name. It's so powerful. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. If you need prayer, please come up and get it. Um, if not, you have a great week.